This podcast is produced by The Brand is Female. Say hello and welcome to the Matriarch Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Sheila Olette Stonechild, and I'm very excited and honored to have Monday here with me today. She's a two-spirit Togolese sequemic showgirl, model, decolonial life and business coach, and jewelry designer. Monday is a grad of the Erickson International Coaching Program, and she has been a professional burlesque performer since 2011. She has done a lot of traveling to live outside her comfort zone. Not only that, but she strives to exist without limits and hopes to help those who have also experienced marginalization to feel just as empowered. She is a member of Rago Nation, an all-Indigenous burlesque troupe on a mission to reclaim Indigenous sexuality from the toxic effects of colonization and signed with Supernatural's Modeling, which is an Indigenous boutique modeling agency out here in Vancouver. And I have to say that not only was I inspired by this conversation, but I have been inspired ever since I met Monday a few years ago on how she remains rooted in her authenticity. And also this conversation even challenged my own perception and how much I still have to learn and unlearn when talking as a light passing native. And it is our duty when we're operating from places of privileges to amplify and to pass over the mic and to learn when to listen. And so I invite you to listen to this conversation, be open to change your perception and be open to letting your own ego down without further ado monday hi hi i'm very excited for today's conversation i have monday here with me today i met monday oh gosh when was it like a few years ago now we both were in squatch eyes lodge which is like a healing um not healing a <laughs> artist residency that hopefully promoted our healing and our growth i know for me i learned a lot about myself uh but that's how i was introduced to monday and it's been a minute since we've actually last spoke so thank you so much hi hi for joining me here today if you just want to introduce yourself where you're from thank you so much Thanks for having me, Shayla. My name is Monday, and I am an Afro-Indigenous burlesque artist based out of Vancouver. So my dad is from West Africa, Togo, and my mom is from Eskenem First Nation, and we are in central BC, and we're cyclonic. That's amazing. Like, how is it? You have such power in both identities. And so I'm curious, like, how do you reclaim that power each and every day in a society where it's like, it is a very colonial society. And like, there is a lot of uh, lack of Afro-Indigenous representation in these spaces. So what makes you, you know, remain truthful in your both identities and both lineages? You know what? It is a learning process. So every day I'm learning how to reclaim these identities mm-hmm. because because I don't really know. <laughs> there's no there's no book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody taught me because, you know, as my dad is African and my mom is from here, um, nobody had this like crossover. So I'm the first one to walk in these shoes in my family line. Mm. And it is difficult sometimes. Yeah, I could imagine because like not only are you existing as having Afro-Indigenous representation within you, within your bloodline, um, but, like, having your parents not also, like, be from that. Like you just said, you're the first generation. And so it's kind of like, where do you go for guidance and assistance when you are maybe, like, questioning yourself? 
Yeah. So a lot of the cultural um, touch points that I have in my life are from my indigenous culture, just because geographically we're here and this is where I grew up. And my mom was really adamant that I learn our culture so that I have that. So I'm really grateful for that. Um, Mm -hmm. In terms of my African heritage, though, it's just like a lot of it I've had to just take on via storytelling through my dad. Mm. So there's been a lot of self-reflecting that I've had to do and just like diving inwards and trusting what comes comes through when I'm able to access, mm-hmm. I don't know, like my intuition and stuff like that. Just trusting the ancestral knowledge that I'm carrying. Yeah. And so where did you actually grow up? Like, I know we met in Vancouver, but like, where did you spend your childhood? I spent my childhood all around BC in like the smallest towns. My my dad, honestly, like if there was a town with four people in it, he would probably move there next. Because- oh my gosh. <laughs> So I was born in Williams Lake, BC, and then I moved up north to Chetwynd and spent some time there. And then I moved over to Alberta and I was actually in Canmore and in Calgary. Oh, wow. Yeah, before moving here about four years ago this year. So when I met you, it was like around four years ago then. So I had just met you when you would like moved here, right? Yeah. And how has that experience been for you? You know, growing up in BC, I bet Alberta was an experience in itself. I also have <laughs> spent some time in Alberta okay. and then coming out to Vancouver. Um, yeah. How has that transition been for you experiencing um, all these different places and different territories? It's definitely given a lot of perspective on everything (laughs) so perspective (laughs) um because of our small town like upbringing like i've I've immersed in predominantly white culture for Mm -hmm. my entire life i guess like even in calgary calgary is predominantly white so up until i was almost 30 (laughs) and then moving out to vancouver even though we're more multicultural like it's not it's not the most that I've seen in the entire world, but it's definitely um, at a different level. So I have experienced just a lot of different types of people and a lot of different ways of being. Hmm. Yeah, that would be interesting because, um, yeah, I grew up in like a predominantly white community as well. But even just me, I recognize that I have a privilege of being like lighter passing and I have a privilege that some people don't have. And so it would be interesting to see the dynamics that are also at play uh, wherever you visit. And so what brings you back to Vancouver? Why did you choose to live on the unceded Coast Salish territory? It was, again, it was my intuition at some point. And I, I didn't really understand it. It was kind of just like Vancouver. And I'm like, well, why? Why did I go to Vancouver? It's totally mm-hmm. disconnected from what I'm experiencing here in Calgary. But I um, I knew for my art form that I needed to be kind of in an epicenter to push it to that next level. And Vancouver uh, was a space that could offer that. And then as well, it's closer to my family. And it just, something was just calling. And I just had to, to listen to it. So I did. Hmm. And what are some things that um, you love about Vancouver that you have learned since um, you moved here within the last four years? I know that we're both in that artist residency and it's been a minute since we saw one another. And so how have things been for you since you've been here? They've been pretty great, actually. I'm really happy that I did the move. Like, I'm really, really happy that I ended up in Vancouver. I found that as soon as I set foot here, it was just kind of like everything that I could dream up or think up just started to happen. 
mm. partially because I put that effort in, but also mm-hmm. the community is just so receptive to making ideas come to life, which is really magical almost. Yeah, I know. I was just reading your post before this interview and you uh, just signed with Supernatural's modeling agency. You've been taking up space in the burlesque world for the last, um, what is it, 11 years. And so I find that you wear like (laughs) many different um, hats and different roles. And first, I want to ask about burlesque uh, dancing and being in the burlesque community. How did you get involved with that? And why did you want to get involved with that community? Burlesque is kind of, it's kind of a funny story because I've at first, I didn't know why I had ended up in burlesque. I went to Burning Man one year just by <laughs> myself. And I, I was just like, like one of those things like, yeah, okay, sure. Let's go <laughs> to the desert in Nevada. <laughs> and um, I was so taken aback by the scale of art and the the efforts that people had brought down in terms of just like, any kind of art that you can imagine. And I just showed up that year, like as myself, just to kind of help out, just to scope it out as I, I like to do. And I went back home to Calgary with the intention of finding an art form that I could bring back and share with mm, folks there. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of like set that intention out there. And then burlesque kind of fell into my lap. <laughs> Strangely, a couple of months later, um, that was 2011. And then it just kind of the rest is history. <laughs> what is one of the challenges you find being in the burlesque world and the burlesque community? I would imagine it takes a lot of confidence and a lot of like standing in your power, regardless of what's happening around you. And so I'm curious to know, like, what are some challenges, but also some of the highlights of being involved with burlesque? Um, I'll start with the highlights, because especially this past year, there's been quite a bit of challenges. So mm. highlights are traveling we get to travel around and like hang out with cool folks being a part of zero donation now has changed my entire like trajectory of my burlesque career because i got i got to indigenize my burlesque career which Mm. has made it a lot more whole for me and like fulfilling so it's not just about entertainment there's a huge healing aspect to it Mm. and that's really nice to be able to focus on And where you can show up as like your whole self and kind of not be like a fragmentated version of you. Right. Um, that's what I'm kind of getting from you is that you have the ability to take up space the way that you want to take up space and what that space looks like and feels like for you. Um, yeah, I don't know if you want to get into any of the challenges that you also face because I feel like <laughs> Do we, have- we can just talk about the highlights today. If- <laughs> yeah, the challenges. So what I love about burlesque, like overall, is that in terms of being uh, up to speed with the movements that are going on and supportive of that, this is an art form that is capable and and is like it pulls its weight and it mm. it is able to to keep up for the most part. Um, some of the challenges, though, like every other community, is all the isms, right? Mm-hmm. Colorism, sizeism, ageism, colonialism, patriarchy capitalism all of those things have seeped into this art form mm-hmm. so again we're mm-hmm. we're at that point where we're just like maybe we shouldn't base this off of ballet or like hey did you know that performers don't wear shoes and that it's not cool to call them unprofessional for that mm-hmm. so there's conversations like that a lot of conversations like that 
it's interesting how, yeah, there's so many intersections and no matter what you're doing, what role you're in or like what role you exist, things that you, yeah, wouldn't even be aware of. Because um, from the outside on, like from me, I'm not a burlesque performer, so I don't even know half the conversations that are happening within that community. And so for you just like voicing that now, I'm like, I wasn't even aware of that. And so what do you think uh, needs to happen for like, non-Black Natives or for non-Indigenous people to support Afro-Indigenous people in these spaces and to make it like, I know people are very uh, particular on the words they use. I don't like using safe space, but a brave space. Like, what would your advice be? There's a lot of just creating more awareness um, and taking some of the load off. Like, we're tired. We've been Mm. We've been working hard for a year. Like, I'm done. I'm ready to go yeah, vacation. Yeah, yeah. totally. Relax. But we need people who are, like, willing to step up and take up space in these spaces on our behalf. Yeah. Say our names when we're not there. Exactly. Uplift yeah. us, celebrate us, like, all of that jazz. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think this past um, month and this last year, there's been a lot of learning lessons happening within the collective, but also within our own communities. And I think like the first step is um, even dismantling this idea of perfectionism. I know for me, sometimes I'll be scared to speak up for certain things because I'm like, oh, no, I need to like educate myself more or I don't know enough about this topic. And so I just like make myself small. But really, like, if you are operating from a place of privilege and power, you do have the chance to like use your voice and to start speaking and creating more awareness around these topics. Um, yeah, I feel like there's so much work, <laughs> there's so much work to do in so many intersections. And I also realize that you not only burlesque dance, but you also create your own jewelry. You also do decolonial work. You do some coaching. How do you find the time to do all of these things simultaneously and still remain rooted in your authenticity? It's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> take it day by day it's true it's true take it day by day and I also just like to honor um and I I do this with my coaching clients a lot just honor your seasons your personal seasons because I Mm -hmm. cycle through a lot of this stuff and sometimes it's a creation season sometimes it's a burlesque season sometimes it's like an amalgamation of a bunch of things um but just not putting that that perfectionism pressure on yourself and allowing yourself to flow through it naturally, mm-hmm. I think is the only reason I'm still somewhat standing <laughs> today. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, even like decolonizing our perception of time, because there is a lot of uh, pressure to like always attain certain goals or certain like schedules, timestamps, because we're always like working against this colonial capitalistic system. Mm-hmm. And I like how you phrase like, no, we need to reclaim like our cycles and our seasons and honor whatever our body is feeling. And like, it's okay to say no to some things. I think, yeah, sometimes it's hard because you don't realize that for me anyways, I'm like, this opportunity was never given to my parents. So I have to take it. So it's almost like this pressure to always be um, performing or on. Uh, When you do perform for your burlesque performances, where do you find inspiration? Where do you find inspiration for burlesque? Or if you're uh, feeling inspired to create a piece of jewelry, where does your inspiration come from? A lot of my inspiration comes from solitude, actually. Mm. I like, like nothing inspires me more than than going for a really long car drive by myself with tunes and just like that space in my mind and just like the calm in my body. Mm -hmm. That's, I absolutely love that. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Solitude. Yeah, that's usually when you like begin to hear your like inner guidance system and start to get the messages pull through and everything. Yeah. I'm interested to know a little bit more about your coaching work because this is um, this is actually new to me. I don't even know how long have you been coaching for and how has that dynamic been for you? Um, coaching has been really cool. So I initially went to school for social work. But 10 years ago now, my goodness, um, because I was going to go into counseling. <laughs> I was just flying by. And, um, <laughs> I went into school and something just didn't click for me. There was something missing in the ac- academia or the programming. And I kept asking, like, my question to my teacher was always like, okay, but like, what do people do next? Like, how do they unlearn these things or what's the next process and there was never an answer for that right so coaching became that answer and so mm-hmm. i went and i got trained in 2016 at erickson international coaching college or school and uh started building a little small business after that and uh, it's it's grown and i've come in contact with some really incredible amazing people and i just get to like to help them with the what's next. Mm. So do you work on like a one-on-one session or is it like a group session? What do your sessions look like? So right now I'm doing one-on-one primarily Mm -hmm. and we work together for three months, once every couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping to get a group session running maybe this fall. We'll see (laughs) who knows right now (laughs) because everything is up in the air. But yeah. Yeah. What is is one piece of advice you usually find yourself offering the most in these sessions? I'm curious because like (laughs) I feel like it's so unknown happening in the world now. And like even though things are happening differently for everyone, we're also, I think, feeling a lot of the same emotions underlying. So yeah, what is like one piece of advice you usually find yourself repeating often? I'll give you like a practical one and then a really funny one. (laughs) Practical one is to turn off autopilot. A lot of us have become so accustomed to turning on this autopilot and going through these motions that we're not fully present while we're doing it. Mm. And especially with all the anti-racism work that we've been doing this past year, like I've been um, educating quite a bit and coaching as well in anti-racism and a lot of it has to do with like checking back in and being present Mm -hmm. in our allyship so that was a big one Mm -hmm. what's the funny one i don't know if i can say it (laughs) i can see it like starting to laugh (laughs) there's a swear word but it's just like don't throw all of your cares we'll redact that word all your cares into a black hole Mm. and so what i'm referring to is reciprocity and a lot of the time i find people who are feeling stuck because they're pouring and pouring and pouring into a job or into a person or into a relationship or into something that's not giving anything back Mm -hmm. so it's just like and i had to do this for myself too there were things that i was investing highly in this past year that just weren't giving anything back to me and i just continued to, to do that and feel frustrated mm-hmm. i just like stop mm-hmm. stop until it either gives back or like find something focus on the things that are given back to you well i think you touched on two good points like you brought up allyship but then you brought up like creating a reciprocal relationship and i feel like that's like kind of the foundation within being an ally is creating like but then again i guess if you operate from a privilege and power then maybe you should be 
um, giving more than the other person. But (laughs) I'm like, wait a second. (laughs) But they're kind of like looped into one. um, And I think we naturally as humans do start to just create like we start running on autopilot that we're not even aware of like what our actions are actually creating in the world and so if we can like be more present i think we would realize our impact behind our actions i guess how would you define do you think allyship is important because i know that everyone has their own opinions on allyship and how they define it how would you define allyship and do you think it's important right now I definitely think allyship is important right now. I I have mixed feelings about having to to say that and having to to almost feel like lean into it because as somebody who's hyper independent, I want to be able to do it all myself. I want us to be able to just, you know, throw it all together. But without yeah. that piece of allyship, like unfortunately, just the way that the system has been built, mm-hmm. we're not going to get as far as if we had allyship. Yeah, I think that's what was going on in my mind because I was like, reciprocal relationship. But then if you're starting from a place of like having way more power than the other person, then it's not really a reciprocal relationship because you kind of have to like give over some of the power that you attain throughout history. Exactly. That is kind of like what was going on in my mind. (laughs) And that's the hardest part I find right now, like where we're at is just asking people to give things up because there seems to be a disconnect of knowing um, how to decenter oneself mm. while uplifting others, which doesn't cause anybody harm, right? Like it's it's just a simple act of just saying, you know what, I don't need to be front and center right now. I can use my face and energy to help lift somebody else up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so important because like being an Indigenous person, I feel like sometimes we're never given these opportunities. And so at times it can feel like there's only this certain opportunity. But then recognizing like, if you're given that opportunity, you're also given a place where you can hopefully bring others into that opportunity. Or you just like say, you know what, I'm gonna make my own. And like, I think that's also decolonizing. I think that's like the next move. I'm like, should we just be creating our own table right now? Because <laughs> like, absolutely. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I'm 100% for creating our own table. That's the secondary thing is because decolonizing a system that's inherently broken in the first place, like, what are we doing? We're turning down the colonialism yeah. on something that is already busted. Yeah. Or let's create something that's indigenized, you know, has a healthy foundation already and built from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been talking um, a lot about decolonization on this podcast. And I'm curious to know, like, how would you define decolonization? And like you're saying, is it even possible to decolonize this? Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm like this system, but it's I already know the answer. <laughs> how would you define decolonization? <laughs> Again, I also, I feel like I have two parts. So one is working with what we got, right? Like what we have access to right now is decolonizing and that work and, and doing work to help hopefully make things safer for us, more accessible, more like just, just a little better, mm. right? Um, but in my big dream of dreams, it's the actual just like uprooting the the messy brokenness and creating something that is new, that is mm-hmm. safe, and that everybody can thrive in. Yeah, exactly. Because I think like we're the ones that know what is safe for us. We're the ones that know what is needed for us. And so there's this idea of like 
indigenous futurism and like reimagining a new future. And so if you could define, you know, what does indigenous futurism mean to you or even like Afro indigenous futurism, how would you, what do you want that to look like? The artist in me, like gets so excited (laughs) about this Um, (laughs) because we've been programmed to only imagine ourselves in this white supremacy system and not to imagine ourselves beyond that. So like even personally, I've made myself smaller than I actually am Mm -hmm. for so long, just because that's what I've been taught to do that I'm not supposed to. And if I were to rise above any point, then then people are going to try and peg me down to where they feel like I should be. Right. Mm -hmm. So Afrofuturism, Afro-Indigenous futurism, and Indigenous futurism are so important because this is us imagining beyond where they told us that we should be. And just like they say that our thoughts create our reality, like it's so, so important to have these people in our communities. Do you ever wonder what goes on behind the scenes of your favorite homegrown films and TV shows? Well, it's time to pop some popcorn, go behind the camera, and meet the people who are making it happen. I'm Mariska Fernandez, host of the Maple Popcorn Podcast. In this new series, you will discover exclusive interviews with Canadian icons and hear them talk about Canadian flicks and even break the fifth wall to share set anecdotes. This podcast is produced by The Brand is Female and powered by Telefilm Canada. Subscribe now on the podcast app of your choice and don't miss an episode. Stay in the know by visiting telefilm.ca slash see it all. So I know there's like two things to these conversations. Um, One is what do you think like non-Black Natives need to start doing to start to build allyship with our Afro-Indigenous kin? And then I'll ask the other one. Um, I feel like from my personal perspective and just what I'm seeing, um, and there's probably going to be a number of answers to this from a number Mm -hmm. of different people. And I just want to honor everybody's response. But personally, I would love to see just more saying our names, like recognizing us, because there's a lot of erasure going on. It's like we don't exist. Mm. And we do. We're here (laughs) all along. Mm -hmm. And um, celebrating us as well. Yeah, it's like it comes back to kinship and like coming back to community, really coming Mm -hmm. back to our roots. And yeah, I just want to thank you for putting your voice to that matter, because this has been obviously coming up on my end with like the Sephora campaign and there's been a lot of unlearning and relearning and also just like taking accountability of you know, when you are given these opportunities, like who is missing in these conversations and where do you have the authority to make sure that their voices are not missing anymore? And I think this also, that's why it's kind of like a two-way street is there's one of keeping our communities accountable, but then there's also of like, when we are working with non-Indigenous people, like how do we make sure that like, that's what where I'm at is like, that's why I think building our own sometimes makes more sense because there's so many questions when working with non-Indigenous people that like I'm still I'm still fumbling with. And so I guess my question for you would be, what would you want to see from non-Indigenous people to be an ally to um, you and to Afro-Indigenous people or Indigenous people like, yeah, in general? Um, that's a, a big one. <laughs> 
there's I feel like there's a lot <laughs> I know there's so many layers <laughs> so many layers so uh, I feel like definitely the decentering point is really really important just learning that practicing that and then also uh, resources there are so many resources being hoarded mm. outside of our communities mm-hmm. that if we had access to like the things that we could do and it's not just us like I have a lot of um, folks a lot of allies that that help me along and it's just like yes it comes in through me but we distribute it out right Mm -hmm. so I feel like it's important that non-indigenous folks take stock of what kind of resources they have available like check your toolbox whether it's a skill that you can train people for free or if it's money that you can send if it's a ride <laughs> you can offer whatever it is yeah like just yeah. openly offering those things yeah yeah i think that's so important and that's what i've been kind of dealing with too because it's like I was in the acting industry and I don't know, I feel like sometimes when you are working for non-Indigenous people, you don't really have the autonomy or the authority of saying like what you want to say. I feel like it's still censored or it's still to fit like a colonial gaze. And it's like sometimes all we do need is like the resources and the funding to ignite what we're what we want to do, but more maybe on a like a national scale because it can be limiting if we don't have access to those resources. So, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad that you brought that up. I know you have been working a lot this past year and you're always wearing uh, different roles. What do you hope for for the rest of 2021? Uh, what do you have on the horizon? What do I hope for? Just a nap. <laughs> I just want a nap. <laughs> um, there's going to be a, a lot. Uh, well, I'm launching my jewelry line, actually, June 30th. Monday May Jewelry. It's going to be official, official. I'm excited. Um, we're going to have a little lunch party for one. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> um, and my website will be up. So y'all can check that out at mondaymayjewelry.com and on Instagram, Monday May Jewelry. Um, and then for the summer, I will be performing quite a bit throughout um, the lower mainland. Mm. We're getting live shows again, starting to book, which is yeah, it's starting to happen. Really? Going back to to quote unquote normal. Um, and then I'm not sure what's going to happen in the fall. I've just kind of left it open to see what season I'm at and what I'll be working on. That's awesome, though. I had no idea that live events were opening back up in Vancouver. That I don't even know if I'm going to know how to act in people <laughs> in front of people anymore. I don't know. <laughs> I'm so awkward. Oh, it's embarrassing. I'm embarrassing. <laughs> like I can barely get ready now. Like, like I don't even know how to do a winged eyeliner anymore. Are <laughs> like, like close to it? <laughs> Literally. Um, I'm curious to know more about your process when you are performing. Like, do you have to? What's the word? Like. I can never say this word, choreography, choreography, choreography. Choreograph, yeah. <laughs> Do you make it yourself or is it like a team um, that helps you create your uh, performances? It kind of depends. So I have I had help. Um, Vancouver has some of the top burlesque dancers in Canada, if not the world. So I've had help in some cases putting my routines together. And sometimes I just do it by myself. And I... Choreography isn't my super strong point, I'm not going to lie, mm. <laughs> more of like the visionary, um, but it's an enjoyable process seeing everything come together. 
Well, at least you can say the word. <laughs> so you're a step ahead of me. Uh, what about your outfits and like everything you wear? Because like I see your photos, they're all bomb. Like, how do you put those outfits together? That uh, a lot of the time I have had help in terms of seamstresses that do just burlesque costume because there's a lot to it because we're taking it off. Mm-hmm. There, it needs to be done a certain way. It needs to move a certain way, mm. and uh, we're showcasing it. And then it needs to be extra to like the hundred degrees. So a lot of the time, there are seamstresses that just specialize in costuming for all of those reasons. Uh, is it pretty expensive? Like I would imagine that it would cost a pretty penny for some of those outfits. For for some of my outfits, yes, they're very expensive. However, you can do a burlesque on a a spectrum that works for you. So if anybody's interested, you can get into it and and there are a lot of resources available. Um, however, if you want to be bougie to the 11th degree, you can do that and you can spend thousands and thousands of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be my next question is like, what piece of advice? I know like indigenous sexuality, we're now seeing a lot of more reclamation happening on social media and in performances. Why do you think it's so important to reclaim um, our sexuality as indigenous and Afro-indigenous people? Um, and what would your advice be for someone that's maybe still you know just doesn't really know where to go or maybe isn't feeling too confident what would your advice be um i'll start with the confidence confidence is a practice i like to say so not all of us feel confident every single day like it might come off that way but again it's just like this scale and spectrum and sometimes you're not at all sometimes you are but it's just that practice of just like creating acceptance around Mm. where you're at Mm -hmm. and and taking up space, like you said, in like no matter what state that you're in. So that's what I say about confidence. In terms of getting into burlesque, oh, it's been so long. I'm just feeling so old. I'm going to lie. You're like, where did I start? I know. <laughs> feeling so wise. <laughs> um, definitely look up. If there are organizations wherever you are available that offer burlesque classes, that's a thing to check out. You can keep an eye on my burlesque group, which is Virgo Nation. We're an all-Indigenous burlesque troupe. And we do offer some online training as well. So that's something that would be accessible all over the place. And uh, yeah, why, you can watch a lot of movies. That's, that's how I got started. So when I was in Alberta, I actually... I was just on YouTube for ages and ages, just watching video after video of performances and getting inspiration from that. So mm. that being said, I'm going to plug, Your Relation has a show this coming weekend, so on Saturday uh, at 7 p.m. Sweet. And it's our docu-strip. So we're actually going to talk about our our acts. We're going to talk about how we got into burlesque, and then you get to see us perform the act that we're talking about. It's a really, oh, really, awesome. really cool thing. Yeah. That's this Saturday, did you say? Yeah, it's this Saturday at 7. And if you check out our website at beergonation.ca, you can get tickets for that. Sweet. And then you also have, I know you already mentioned this earlier, but your jewelry line dropping. And is that dropping, mm-hmm. that's dropping like June, June 30th, right? June 30th, next week. <laughs> Are you ready for the drop? <laughs> <laughs> almost ready <laughs> just like how many things can we fit into this one <laughs> <laughs> i know 
Uh, okay, this was, I wanted to also ask you about your process for making jewelry, because I'm sorry, like when I would attend those little workshops at Squatch Eyes Lodge beading, I remember trying to make a pair of earrings and I could barely get them to match up <laughs> with each other. And I was like, I'm done. Like, my ancestors are not proud of this. And I just like left it. <laughs> so like, how do you, do you learn to be? Um, so I, I actually sadly missed a lot of those beading things just because I was going through a lot. You didn't miss much. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going through a lot. So I stayed, stayed upstairs in my suite. But come January this year, I'm dealing with lupus. So I had to stay home a lot just because I'm immunocompromised. But also, I needed to stay on top of my mental health. So I was just like, Kate, hey, I'm going to start beating because I saw my friends beating and I wanted to check it out. Mm. And I started and it was so funny because initially I was just like, it's just a hobby. I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to start being, it's just a hobby. <laughs> They're like, whoa, calm down. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm buying all of these bead colors that I would never wear or anything. So uh, something was coming out of me that I was trying to resist, but it was kind of there bubbling. Mm. And uh, it's just been a process of... Um, trial and error and not perfecting because that's not a thing that's we're not (laughs) we don't do the perfection thing anymore (laughs) (laughs) you know getting my craft to a place that I am really proud of and then with the collection that I'm launching Monday May with it was a very almost spiritual not almost it was a very spiritual connected practice of eating and I think all of that is reflected in the work that I made during that time and this collection and it feels really cool and really whole so Mm. I'm excited to Mm -hmm. release it into the world yeah I think maybe I have to pick mine up again because like I was definitely trying to be perfect with this first pair of earrings (laughs) and it was not headed in that direction but that's what I've heard from a lot of people is it is like it is medicine and you're putting like good intentions into that product it's not just like a manufactured like earring it's like your soul it's like a piece of you going Mm -hmm. into that um piece of jewelry how many pieces do you have is it like just limited edition is it just like a little little pop-up shop or are you gonna have like one down the road again i know at first you committed not you weren't a beater but now you have your own line coming up so (laughs) just a flaw you know (laughs) that escalated really quickly (laughs) so i have five collections uh launching on the 30th some of the designs are going to be like I'll reuse the design by just in different, like when the fall comes, we're going to have fall colors and holiday colors and stuff like that. So it's going to be a mix of like, I'm trying to mix indigenous business framework, but kind of also mix it in with like fashion. I don't know how the fashion folks do it as well. So yeah, I'm going to see how this, how this rolls. It's all new. So fingers crossed (laughs) (laughs) well i'll definitely be sharing it and yeah like i i'm definitely gonna be buying too i i i don't know if i can have first choice no (laughs) dibs calling dibs on the podcast (laughs) 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 gotta get that color combo while it's still there (laughs) because those earrings go by so fast like i'll literally turn on post notifications for some people's work and they're gone within like 15 minutes like it's no joke earrings are no joke they really aren't. And um, it's beautiful. I'm happy that there's so much hype around them. And it's just like, yeah, like you said, it's a piece of me that I get to like send out to folks with like really good intentions. So mm-hmm. 
Well, thank you so much for sharing a piece of your story here today. I feel like we could keep talking about so many other things like indigenous entrepreneurship and like, yeah, just so many different avenues to go down. Um, But yeah, thank you so much for joining me. If you just want to tell people where to follow you, how to support you. uh, Thank you so much. Hi, hi. Absolutely. So if you would like to follow me, I am accessible via Miss Monday Blues. And you can do that at the dot com. You can do it at my Instagram, which is just at Miss Monday Blues. And then for the jewelry line, I'm hoping lots of y'all follow me there. It's going to be at Monday May Jewelry. And then again, our website is mondaymayjewelry.com. Yeah, this this podcast is dropping Monday. So it'll be like the exact time that you drop your your line. So make sure you grab a pair while you still can. They're probably going to go really fast. Uh, Yeah, thank you so much. Make sure you follow and support Monday. Have a blessed day, y'all. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I would love your feedback. Follow me on Instagram at Shayla0h at matriarch.movement. And don't forget to subscribe on the pod platform of your choice and review and rate where possible. I'll be back in a week. Hi, hi. Thank you so much for tuning in.